And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. McPherson trying to kick the Bengals into the AFC Championship. Huber will hold it. 52-yarder sweeps the leg. McPherson, he's got it. Cincinnati wins. They are going to the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1988. This episode here, that podcast grounds presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Eater Jr. and Jay Morrison here, working for you on the walkout on a day where the Bengals beat the Tennessee Titans 19 to 16 in the divisional round to advance to the AFC Championship game for the first time since the 1988 season. On a 52-yard field goal by Evan McPherson at the gun. How about that? Forget Dragonfly Daner. Your nickname is now Prophet Paul. I mean, you (laughs) called it to the yard line on the podcast. It's amazing, and it played out that way. It always felt like it was going to come down to something late, that it was going to be a close game. And, you know, we joked about, would you rather have the, the, the Bengals ahead with Bullock kicking to win it, or the Bengals behind with McPherson kicking. Regardless, I, I I don't I don't know that Bengal fans would rather have any other kicker right now than Evan McPherson. He's just been amazing. I agree. Even Justin Tucker. Yeah. At this point, I mean, you've just got so much faith in what he was able to do. But the bottom line is, this is a game that had everything. It's we've got a lot to get to. We've got some quotes in the locker room we want to. DJ Reader was incredible on a couple new topics, including a new mantra that is going to surround this team. Joe Burrow did a great Evan McPherson uh, impression that I like. They were also going to bring it to you. So all that's coming in more. We've got a bunch of topics we want to get to about turnovers, about the toughest son of a gun you've ever met watching Joe Burrow play and get sacked nine times about the difference between McPherson and Bullock and how it played out in real time uh, to have the the difference. Special teams league. It's a joke we like to make about how it always comes back to special teams. Well, guess what? Sometimes it really does. Um, and so we're going to talk, then we're going to talk about sort of the attitude of this team coming out of this and, and just there's, um, the special feel that has always felt like something special was brewing. The 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 switch has flipped on that. It feels like the, the kettle is screaming now, and, and now is the time that this is not about a team on the rise. This is not about a team that's a year early. This is about a team that can win the whole damn thing, Jay. I mean, I can't believe this. We're sitting here in late January talking about they're either going to be playing an arrowhead or in Orchard Park for a shot to go to the freaking Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Six, 25, and one the last two years. Zach Taylor, top of the first coach fired. You've got, you've got 
Joe Burrow's knee decimated last year. Coming back off ACL, he didn't fix the line all the way. Nothing but free agents are trying to figure it out. A team that hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years. We're sitting here next weekend. We're going to be there watching a team with all of those characteristics Try to go to the freaking Super Bowl. It's insane what this team has done in putting itself smack dab into the very real legitimate Super Bowl. Not just contender anymore. Playing for it. It's it's not about contending. This is about playing for the Super Bowl now after what we saw Saturday here at Nissan Stadium. And oh, by the way, one of those two teams they could possibly play, they have already beaten and yes, it was in Cincinnati. This this would be in Kansas City if that's the case. But it is. I they they keep talking all the time about how they they felt there was something special and they knew this could be a possibility. I don't buy that. I, they have to have surprised themselves. Nobody wants to come out and say that that they didn't think they could do what they've done way back in May when they started getting going with all this. But it is. It's remarkable. I, it, I mean. What I can't remember what the opening odds were. Yes, Zach Taylor <laughs> was the lead candidate to be the first coach fired at one point. But uh, maybe some maybe some people out there laid bets and they could let us know what were what was the Bengals' odds to win the Super Bowl back in in May. It had to have been crazy. And as much as I like stats, a, a very important one to kind of get you guys juiced here. Bengals undefeated in AFC championship games. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. 2-0. Um, and it could be a rematch of the 1988 season yes. AFC Championship, which was Bengals, Bills, Jim Kelly, and Boomer Esiason mm-hmm. at Riverfront Stadium that day. David Fulcher had a huge day to put that game away. We won't be talking at all about that. David Fulcher is going to be making the rounds this yes. week. There is no <laughs> doubt, especially if that goes down. Let's start here, though. We said it this week on the podcast and wrote about it. This was always going to be about turnovers. This game was always going to be about turnovers. It was the toxic trait of both of these teams in the games they lost all year long. The Titans were 10-1 and in games when they were even or better uh, in the turnover margin. Joe Burrow, 10-1 and in games was even or better in the turnover margin. Tannehill had not thrown an interception in three games. Burrow in five games. That was the defining thing here. If you're going to be a team that's gone on the road, I broke down the stats when you're two to four point underdog going on the road in the divisional round last 15 years. Teams are five and eight in those situations. The five wins, they won the turnover battle. The eight losses, they were either even or lost the turnover battle. Well, now it's six and eight after what happened today. First play of the game. Last play of the game for the defense, Jesse Bates with a pick on the first play, and then Logan Wilson on Eli Apple's PBU on the last play that sets up the Burrow to chase, and then Evan McPherson from 52. The defense and turnovers won this game. For the team that's been all about Joe Burrow and the shades and the like cool factor about this team and how the real tough, nasty club is the one on the other side, well, it sort of proved that this defense and special teams to that same respect were enough to, to go win this team games. We've seen that this year. They can win it in different ways. Today, that was the way that they won it. Yeah, and you talked about first play for the defense, last play for the defense being turnovers. 
I don't think Mike Hilton's interception is that far behind those two. That was huge. It didn't lead to points like the other ones did, but it, it prevented them. Tennessee was in the red zone coming out of uh, in, early in the third quarter with a chance to kind of swing the momentum there. And Hilton does what he does. He blitzes out of the slot. He bats the ball up in the air, picks it off. And don't forget, too, the, the very play before that, they, the, the Bengals had done a great job bottling up Derrick Henry, and they took him out and spelled him for a little bit, put De- Deontay Foreman in, and he rips off a 45-yard run, and Mike Hilton had the, the touchdown-saving tackle on that play, and then one play later, he bats the ball in the air and intercepts it and, and prevents the Titans from getting any points. Um, all three turnovers today, you, you always thought, yes, turnovers are huge in the grand scope of things, but when the ones came today were enormous. Also, really a half of a turnover happens mm-hmm. uh, on third and fourth down. They get a stop. They stop. I mean, look, they stopped a two-point conversion from the one-yard line, Derrick Henry running downhill, right? Then they had a fourth down conversion uh, needing a yard, needing inches, Derrick Henry, big personnel running downhill. This was supposed to be the game where the Bengals got their ass kicked in the trenches. Yep. And those two plays by Clay Johnston, who people didn't even realize. I didn't realize it was on the roster six weeks ago because he was some – I mean, it's just – it was the whole up and down the roster making plays. But, you know, the team that's supposed to get beat in the trenches sits here and, and doesn't. Uh, and they win it there. And – you know, there's just that's the way that they had to win this game if they were going to win this game. And they went and they did it. And this, the thing is, and we talked about, I mentioned it, the, the cool factor and everything else about the Bengals and Burrow. And I mean, you couldn't find a lick of anything about this defense this week. It was all mm. about how Derrick Henry's going to, oh, the king is back. Yeah. It's going to be obnoxious what he's going to do. I mean, and then Burrow, and can these weapons overcome? Can they? How many points can they put up? You, just nobody talks about the defense. Nobody has talked about this defense. And to be a player on that defense, well, you can be DJ Reader. And you can take a whole lot of pride and feel like you've been an underdog your whole life. And he came in. He had a huge game. He had multiple tackles for loss. He was in the face of Derrick Henry all day, making plays. You know, even if it was just grabbing with one hand. He, you know, this wasn't about not having Larry Ogunjobi. They had DJ Reader, and he changed everything for them up front in keeping Derrick Henry and the and the run game really in check. Twenty seven for one forty for the Titans on the ground. You guess you know what? And that includes obviously the forty five yarder. They will take that. You'll take that okay. when you can when you consider because that it can be much much worse. I want to bring you DJ Reader here talking with us at the podium after the game because I thought he was great on that and a lot of different things about you know this team and sort of the attitude that's permeating from them right now and, and that includes him and his defense. Here's DJ Reader. <laughs> Did you guys say, you know, this guy's won us the game so many times. It's our turn to kind of put him on our back. Yeah, we uh, every week we go out there and we try to get the ball back to nine, man. That's, that's what we believe in as a team. That's where we're trying to get the ball to. So, 
no matter what's going on with him, uh, we're going to go out there and get the ball back to him. That's our job. Uh, he's the toughest guy in the league, though, man. He's tough. Just gritty. I love it. I love it. I love it about him. He's a super tough guy. You know, he, he doesn't complain. He goes out there and does his job. I really appreciate you. Yes. Why was there so much buy-in since the beginning of those years? Because there's so much doubt. Every year, year in and year out. There's doubt. There's a lot of guys came in this locker room and they wanted to change it. And that's what they're doing. Did y'all, did y'all feel the doubt throughout the week that y'all would be able to stop there? You seen the Clippers? You see what's on Twitter? <laughs> y'all see what's going? Y'all see NFL? Uh, what, what is it? Uh, good morning football. We're only one team. Y'all know what's going on. Like it's not a surprise. I get it. I get it. But does that matter? Does that matter y'all? It's personal. Yeah, it matters to you every time. You, you, you a man? You uh, like a, a human? Man, woman, anything? You want somebody to doubt you? Your ability to do your job? As a journalist, you want somebody to doubt you as your ability to do your job? No, it's disrespectful. You gotta go out there and get it and take it. You gotta earn respect, though. So we get it. So we're just gonna keep chopping up the wood like we've been doing. Do you feel like this has earned you that respect? Hmm? Do you feel like you guys have earned that? I ain't really worried about what everybody else got going on. We respect each other in our locker room. Everybody respect each other, you know? And that's what matters. I know the guy next to me respect me, I respect him. How happy were you for Jesse uh, to have that interview? That's my dog. That's my dog, man. He called her earlier this week. He said he said what was going to happen. I believe in power of words. You got to speak things into existence. He did that. What did he say? Did he have an interception? He said, uh, you know, I can't tell you the direct word quote, but he said he's going to get one. That's what he said. <laughs> you were talking about proving things. You've also talked about being a guy that flies under the radar just due to the nature of your position. Yeah. Just having a game like this as a run stopper against Henry is just on the left. It don't matter to me. I know who I am. I'm confident who I am as a player. I know what I do. Y'all seen it. Everybody's seen it. You know, I know what I do as a player, so I don't worry about it. I read it. I go on Twitter all the time. Read it, type in DJ Reed, see what's going on. But I don't worry about it. You know, it's just fuel to my fire. I've been digging, digging, getting doubted my whole life. I spent seven and eight years old running around the field in a trash bag trying to make peewee football weight limits. People ain't grinding like me, so that's what I care about. They brought in you first. You were the first guy they brought in. Yeah. Seems like they built it around you, you know. Is it kind of, you know, is it kind of fitting, though? Fourth and one on the two point, you know. I mean, on the two pointer, it's in the trenches. You guys, you guys kind of made a statement. The defense. I think um, the guys who were on this team when I came, we brought in an attitude of we gonna play defense and worry about our job and worry about what we gotta do. We gonna go out there every day and grind, and it translates. When you're not complaining, when you're not this, you're not that. Like, we don't got an indoor. Nobody out there complaining. It's four degrees a couple weeks ago. Nobody said nothing. It's just what we do. Guys are out there playing. Like guys want to play football. They want to go out there and grind. There's a lot of guys who've been on this team who've been passed on or moved move from team to team and whatever are not good apples. You see how I many free agents we got? I mean, the old team didn't want them. So that's what we come in and take that attitude with. There's, there's DJ Reader, and, you know, it, there's, you know, I just love. You know, you, you, you don't know the type of toughness I've got. You know, I've been trying to make weight with garbage bags around me when I was like in when I did that story on him earlier this year. He talked about that. Like he's just born of a different kind of gritty level. And that it's fitting that he was the first big free agency signing of this team two years ago because that attitude has really permeated this defense all year. Nobody talks about him, right? Jay, we talked about before the season, right? What is Well, if they could just get to average. Yeah. And here we are. They weren't just average today. Yeah. They, they don't come close to winning this game if they're average today. And, you know, 
it kind of like that Hilton thing, the, that the fourth down stop that you talked about, the DJ reader played a huge role in that. He didn't get the tackle on that, but it, it, that was a series of three plays. It, it, there was the, the pass that Jermaine Pratt made a great tackle to, to stop. I think it was a Julio, a yard shy of the first down marker. And then they tried to trick the Bengals and uh, do a fake handoff to a play action to Henry and Cam Sample takes Ryan Tannehill down for no gain. And then the, the fourth and one, and, and, and they Logan Wilson and Marcus Bailey stop him. It was just at, at every turn, DJ Reader was the center. He had a, I, I can't remember what play of the game, but it was early. Tackle for loss. Just like that interception, the tackle for loss early kind of set the tone. And it was. Deontay Foreman got out, had some long runs, but the the, the, the run defense today was – maybe as good as I've seen it all year. It was just, it was really impressive performance. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And then there's the opposite of that. <laughs> there's the Bengals attempting to pass protect. Oh, boy. And, and Joe Burrow attempting to make too many plays. There's a lot to be said about how you end up with nine sacks, in an impossible number. Jay, this the most sacks ever now by a team that wins a playoff game? Currently. Yes. Yeah, the, the previous record was eight. Uh, it's only the second time anybody's even been sacked nine times in a playoff game. And it's not just the first time in playoff history anybody's overcome nine sacks. It's only the sixth time in any game, regular season or postseason. You get sacked nine times, you don't even come close to sniffing a win most of the times. And that that's just – that's the power of Joe Burrow. Uh, to, to overcome that, not just in the grand scheme of things by making play, but just the, to the physical beating. Th- those weren't – uh-oh, here comes the pressure, and you kind of cover up. And just he took some hits. He came up limping a couple times. And a couple of those sacks, you mentioned, it was on him. He, he held the ball way too long. He took a couple horrible sacks that knocked him out of out of field goal range. Um, so it's it, it not defending the offensive line at all. It was a really bad day for them. But it was – some of that was on Joe Burrow too because they have been so good at off script. And he was trying to extend plays. And uh, that, that Tennessee defense was relentless. I – did not think the Tennessee front four would be able to win as much as they did. I, I, I looked at the fronts that we saw last week with the Raiders, and you'd seen in division all year. Those guys never had days like this. No. 
But Tennessee just had a different tenacity. They blitzed more early on than we thought that they would, and I think that threw them off for a loop. And then guys were, and I think just the linemen were seeing ghosts. Burrow was seeing was just trying to make things happen that weren't there, rather than throwing the ball away or finding a check down. And it it was brutal. But yet, he, but the thing is, here's the thing: you mentioned how he just keeps popping back up, not just popping back up. Let's talk about the play before the lone Bengals touchdown of the game. It's third down, drop back, pressure. Burrow invites it. He runs and sneaks through and takes off and dives forward to get the first down to set up the next play, which would be a 16-yard touchdown run by Joe Mixon cutting back against the grain. Burrow, after he gets that, stands up and, and does a little – Point with attitude and you could like feel like okay confidence boost initiates right I mean everybody's feeling it at that point and but that's the toughness and and, and Zach Taylor's talked about after the game he said yeah you know there's a lot of things and none of it's acceptable about how you end up in nine sacks but the pure toughness of a guy who just will not flinch and will keep going back there allows you to keep calling it because there were plays there when they didn't sack him <laughs> which wasn't that often he was tearing it up there was stuff there I mean when when you actually gave the guy a clean pocket they were able to find guys open and that culminated in one clean pocket when they had to have it and Jamar Chase when you go back we were just re-watching this before we came on here to just kind of get it fresher in our heads because it was so chaotic at the end the the bench route to to Chase that sets up the field goal he just obliterates Janoris Jenkins off the line, and then he just gets him spinning and guessing, and he runs it to the sideline, and Burrow puts it in the perfect spot. Taylor said after the game, you know, it was really fitting that in the biggest play of the season, really, it was Joe and Jamar just working, working one-on-one, a route they've thrown hundreds of times together, and Chase just doing his silly thing and Burrow doing his silly thing where they're just so good at it. And that was the ball game. The moment that ball was caught, everybody in the building knew that Evan McPherson was going to be able to come in and get it. But, you know, Burrow being over overcome that, uh, and all the punishment he took, and that's something that they're going to have to continue to look at working going forward. But the fact that they're here, despite the fact this has been going on all year, mm-hmm. not to this extent, but like it is now, is really amazing. But I want to talk about it. So Burrow's up with us after the game, talking about all the hits. He says, yeah, you know, I, I feel good now. I don't know that I'm going to feel good tomorrow, but I feel good now. Um, but then he told this story uh, about Evan McPherson that I wanted to include him in, and just the kind, kind of guy their kicker is. That guy's unbelievable. He said, so he was talking to Brandon as he was going out to kick. He gave a little warm-up swing, and he said... Ah, it looks like we're going to the AFC Championship right before we went out there to kick it. And when you have a kicker, I mean, we knew exactly what we had as soon as he walked into the building in camp. And we just saw how he carried himself. You know exactly how a kicker is going to perform when, obviously, everyone at this level can kick through the uprights. But it's how you handle yourself in the locker room that shows us that you have the confidence to go out there and make a kick like this and perform the way he did in a game like this. And we knew exactly what kind of guy we had in camp. How great is that? I mean, that's the stuff of legend right there. McPherson <laughs> just oh, does a little practice practice kick. Oh, yeah. Let me go to the championship kick. 
I just, it's incredible. I am disappointed that he didn't get carried off the field, but it looked like he wasn't going to let that happen the way he was running around. It was like he was trying to run away from his teammates, not run to him and celebrate. But what, I mean, geez, what he's kind of got, it's, it's different, but similar. The, the makeup that he has compared to Joe Burrow, just this ridiculous calm confidence and doing this as a rookie. I mean, it's just, uh, imagine when he gets a couple years under his belt and this, this becomes kind of what Joe, Joe Burrow said last week, that this becomes the standard that you just know he's, I mean, he's got eight field goals in two playoff games, his first two career playoff games, <laughs> two, two from plus 50 today, including the walk, not, yeah, the game winner, the walk up game winner. It's just, it's, it, it, it's funny how I don't know that maybe Evan McPherson was that way anyhow, but you, you just see again, kind of that, the Joe Burrow factor rubbing off on other people and other people taking on his persona, that Joe cool, super confident, a little bit of swagger. Um, it's just, it's, it's really been fun to watch McPherson kind of grow this year. And he has a very, you know, in the same way as Burrow has a very unique understanding about the need and, and how to handle calm and handle mm-hmm. pressure. And, and he would talk about how he would monitor his heart rate when he went through certain situations and things like mm-hmm. that in the preseason. And it shows there now where it's just like he's just got this kind of, I mean, that's like. That's the type of thing when you hear about Joe Montana pointing out John Candy before the drive, right? Like it's it, oh yeah, about to go win the AFC Championship game, which just feels very natural. And, and I think it was Burrow said something, you know, about how may, you know maybe they're just too young and stupid, really, to to really even like understand the the gravity. There's out there playing football with their friends, is what he said, and, and and I think it does feel like that. That part is very real about this team, and that's part about McPherson. But here's the thing: how many kickers are going to get drafted this year? Because everybody's got to be thinking, yeah, we should try to do that. Because let's talk about what happened in. McPherson versus Bullock today because it wasn't just that Evan McPherson hit four field goals, including a 52-yarder and a 54-yarder, of which we're well aware of the issues that Randy Bullock had with that in Cincinnati. You make that obvious upgrade. We saw it play out right in front of our eyes. I mean, the Titans had to go for it on fourth down and short rather than trying to kick the field goal because they you don't have the confidence that they're going to be able to bury it from that far. And you get the stop. You basically take three points off the field because of the kicker, and you feel great the moment you make that play going the other way. And that right there is an immediate flip. Uh, and And it's just... It, it it played itself out. I thought for a second when they started to drive there at the end that we might see the bullet kick scenario, but I don't understand. I need to go read through the Vrabel post game. What exactly they were trying to do other than make sure when Tannehill throws an interception here, there's only 20 seconds left because I mean, they weren't even close. They put themselves in the spot where they had to throw it like that. I mean, they were huddling the whole time. Yeah. I mean, it looked like they were just playing for overtime. And then with 20 seconds left, you're throwing the ball into traffic. I mean, I, Tennessee was keeping the Bengals in it as well today because there was some really head scratching stuff going on there. He, I, I did read the, the first question in Vrabel's press conference was about that, the, how slow they were going. And he said that their their mission there was to try to get to the 35-yard line and kick a field goal and win the game and not give the Bengals any time to do anything after that. And it's like, well, 
that that's your plan to get to the yard line that you refused to kick the field goal from just a few minutes earlier. It was just, it was really puzzling. Um, it, no way we we've seen how aggressive Zach Taylor's no way does he play that that way. And, and I think Mike Vrabel is really good with, with time management and, and timeouts and all that type of stuff. He did a great job in the, the end of the first half to, to burn some timeouts when the Bengals were driving to, to make sure the, the Titans would get a chance to score right before halftime, which they didn't. But it, it was just, it was so, and it, there wasn't, there was a kind of a murmur in the crowd, but it, it wasn't, I would expect them to boo because we were all scratching our heads like, what in the world are they doing? And it really, it really did cost them because if they go a little bit quicker there and yeah, maybe the Bengals could run out the clock anyhow, but they, they had no chance when, when you turn the ball over 20 seconds, it, then the best you can hope for is a stop in overtime. And McPherson wasn't going to let that happen. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The bottom line was, and, and you know, when we talked about contrasting styles that occurred here in this game, better quarterback won. Yeah. Burrow didn't make the mistakes. You, know, you have a Samaje Pirine drop that turns into an interception that was almost not an interception. Uh, really, I think it was so close that the call on the field was going to stand no matter what they called mm-hmm. on the field. Um, his first interception since the Chargers game back at the beginning of December. Yeah. We talked about he'd gone five straight games. That's his, his, in quotes, only mistake. You know, he doesn't make the mistake. Tannehill makes three mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's your ball game. Great quarterback play is not just about the highlights and 348 yards passing like Burrow had. It's understanding the type of game you're in. You know, he said that when Bates makes the pick right away, he knows exactly the type of game that he's in. Where if he just takes care of the ball mm-hmm. and makes the regular plays, they can win this game, and that's exactly how it ended up playing out. Another thing that happened was we kind of learned a little bit more about. Um, uh, Saturday night's meeting before the game, and it was all the captains got up and said something. And you know, Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon are probably getting where it sounds like they were getting things a little more lit in there. Mm-hmm. And Burrow, uh, from people that have talked about it, got up and talked about how he didn't like Why Not Us because that's. 
he doesn't like the underdog mentality with this team anymore. That's not it. They're not an underdog anymore. They are a good team with good players, and they're just as good as anybody in this league and can beat anybody in this league, and no one should view them as an underdog. It shouldn't look they shouldn't look at themselves as why not us anymore. And he talked about that after the game, and then you saw there was a great moment where Logan Wilson's talking to us. And and somebody had asked Logan Wilson about, okay, well, if it's not why not us, then what is it now? And he kind of couldn't come up with anything. And right then, DJ Reader leaned his head in the door and said, I see you, Logan. Talk your shit. Talk your shit. <laughs> and Logan asked him, he said, DJ, well, if it's not why not us, then what's it going to be? And he just said, it us. We them. And shut the door. <laughs> and I and it was just, I think that's the new mantra. Yeah. I think that's it. And I, But I... You know, the the ability of Burrow to say, not Burrow to say that, of them to take that on and understand that it's different now. It's the Final Four. It's not Why Not Us anymore. That's the the way they view it. And I think that's the proper way to view this team and, and what they are. They're not the, like, Cinderella story anymore. Mm-hmm. They have one of the best quarterbacks in football and a defense that can win you a game and special teams that can too. That's dangerous no matter who they line up against as a probably a pretty big underdog next yes. week. Next week, and if they're lucky enough, not lucky enough, but if they're fortunate enough to go to the Super Bowl, they're, they're going to be an underdog in that game too, you would think. Um, but I, I love the DJ. I mean, just for him to come up with that off the top of his head, it was so fitting. And I was thinking maybe it should not be we dim, it should be we day to kind of play off of the who day. But then I don't think that's right either because when you remember when the Steelers – beat the the Bengals in 2005, the Carson Palmer game. And then there's that clip of Bill Cower leading the kind of the We Day instead of the Who Day cheer in the post game. So I think We Day would not be taken as well by the fan base. We Dem, I think, uh, print the shirts. Print the shirts. <laughs> yeah, Josh Steen, if you're listening, print those, print those shirts over at Cincy Shirts. It's coming up. Uh, and, and so that's where you're at now. It's the winner of Kansas City and Buffalo uh, will host – the AFC Championship game against the Bengals next week. Uh, I asked Robert Mays about that. If you listened to the podcast on Thursday about if, if the Bengals won, you know what would be the better opponent? And it's there's there's really no right answer there. Mm-hmm. There's only two wrong answers. They're both going to be great teams with great quarterbacks in insanely tough places to go play and. Maybe the two best teams in football, arguably. Some people would make those arguments. Robert did that those are maybe the two best teams in all football. I don't know. I mean, we talked about it. Do you want to play a team that you've already beat, but now they know kind of the fight that they're in for and exactly some of the strategies and, and you know, what maybe they can try something different or a team where there can be an element of surprise, some matchups you can win and how things can go. I, I really, I, I don't know. I think, don't think either team has a demonstrably better front four. And at this point, you're probably trying to save your quarterback's life. And maybe if there's one that has a few less pass rushers, that would be helpful. But, I mean, Buffalo can get after the passer the same way that Kansas City can and did. Um, so, who cares? If you're the Bengals, like, honestly, who cares? Yeah, Bring it on. Whoever's next, you just win on the road and beat the number one seed uh, on a day where your quarterback got sacked nine times. And you beat one of the two teams who's about to play just a few weeks ago. So whatever. You know, I think that's their view of it. And uh, and it should be. 
Yeah, neither one of those teams is easier. There's not a better matchup there. It's just you're going to have your your hands full either way. I it was. I guess I'm thinking about it now. It wasn't you just predicting Bullock 52 or uh, McPherson 52 at the gun, didn't you? Pick Chiefs Bengals AFC Championship game when we made our playoff predictions. I did. I'm yet. I'm yet to miss a single pick from the entire playoff predictions at this point. I say that knowing that I'm sure it's all going to go. Totally to shit after this, but uh, so far so good. I will say it's it's working out. I'm not a no. I mean that's just 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 luck, really. I appreciate Burrow actually settling himself down right there at the 34 yard line before. <laughs> yes. Just like what was it? Did, didn't Paul say 52 at the gun? What do I need? To, okay, I'll slide down at the 34 then, and that'll make it just right to make it feel good. And that, and that's a good point too because if that what you said before the the contrast between McPherson and Bullock. If that's the Titans there and they get to the 34 with, what was it, nine seconds or 10, they're they're running a couple more plays. They're trying to get closer. They're not going to say, oh, we're, this is where we need to be. And Zach even said, I didn't think we needed to be that far. They felt good pretty much from 57 in. Now, maybe if, it, if they were at the 40 and it was going to be a 57-yarder, they would have tried another pass play to get a little closer because you always want that. But that was interesting that they they just they ran those two plays to get the clock down where they wanted it, and they were comfortable with a rookie kicking a game-winning field goal in the playoffs from 52. This team is comfortable with a lot of things that were hard to believe before the year started mm-hmm. right now, and I think fans better start to get comfortable with the fact that next week, when you're listening to the next walkout that happens, you could be getting comfortable with this team going to L.A. Because it's in play, folks. I mean, I'll say today what I've said on a lot of podcasts and what I said before the season started. Don't bet (laughs) against Joe Burrow. That dude is just unbelievable. Nine sacks, throws for 348, one last bench route to set up the game winner. And Burrow is going to play in his first of probably multiple AFC Championship games uh, in just his second season and, you know, only a year and some change removed from tearing his ACL last year um, against in Washington. Remarkable. Another Paul prediction. Multiple AFC Championship games. (laughs) I mean, at this point, might as well just fire them all off while you can. You know, that Uh, one doesn't seem as far fetched as as, uh, McPherson fifty two from the gun. What a ridiculous thing that that happened. Uh, All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We, of course, will be back live room on Monday at noon. You guys will have questions, and we'll be in there. Uh, Natasha, I hope I look forward to hearing the hearing the ocean from Hawaii again. Uh, And uh, we'll then we'll have our normal podcast on Tuesday and Thursday. Back to a Sunday game, Jay. We can actually know what day of the week it is now. Again, (laughs) I've been so far off. Bengals Friday, but it's actually Thursday. I don't know what day it is. Uh, So all that will be back, and then we will be uh, coming to you live from wherever the AFC championship game ends up being next week and then potentially all the way to LA at SoFi for the Super Bowl on the line. Unbelievably, this has been the walkout. Bengals 19, Titans 16. Have a good one, everybody.